welcome to the first episode of In Our Teenage Time. I'm Karma, your host, and in this episode we have Iman and Dr. Katie Dinger, our new guest. Now, so- to start off this episode, we would just like to talk about the medical field. So, as our first question, we'd like to ask you what made you get into your specific career and sort of what drew you in or what inspired you? So, um, I had quite an unusual childhood in that my mum was quite poorly when I was uh, only about two. So probably from about me being age two to four, my mum had been hospitalised for the most part of that two year period. And then quite soon after, my older sister had also become diabetic and she was hospitalised quite a lot. So whereas I think for most other children, the hospital is an unfamiliar and scary place to be, for me, it became a very familiar environment and actually quite a safe environment because it made my mum and my sister better. Um, So it was almost like the hospital was a second home. So at the time that um, I chose medicine, which was much later on in my career, I'd say I'd always been quite comfortable in the environment, I'd always been quite interested in the medicine field, but didn't know I was going to be a doctorate, if I'm really honest, until um, after my GCSEs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Kabuta, you're a GP, right? I was trained as a GP, Mm -hmm. I've done a few different things, so it's a bit unusual because I've gone all over the place, but um, yeah, I trained as a GP Mm -hmm. eventually before I came to the UAE. And then I started working for Emirates and through them, and maybe it's something we can talk about later, I've had so many opportunities. So I've ended Mm -hmm. up doing some aviation medicine, which is specific to the flying environment. Um, And from there, I've springboarded into occupational medicine, which we can talk about in a bit as well. So now I'm an occupational medicine Mm -hmm. specialist. Now, what was sort of the process of getting into that career? Um, It was almost just a series of accidents that led me yeah. to it. So um, I'd say initially I'd gone into medicine. I'd always been interested in paediatrics. And I thought throughout my medical career that peds would be where I would go. Um, and I left med school, qualified and went into a paediatric rotation. Had an amazing job. Saw lots of amazing cases. Um, some very sad cases as well. But I think emotionally it ended up taking its toll. So I actually left medicine for about a year and a half, decided I wasn't going to be a doctor Mm -hmm. anymore, um, and realised within a matter of weeks that that was the worst (laughs) worst decision ever, and I wanted to be a doctor. But then I had to start thinking about, well, what is it that I like about medicine? Where do my skills lie? What else do I want out of my life? And that's how I fell upon doing general practice training. Um, completed my general practice training and then my husband who had followed me around the world every single time I changed my mind as to what I wanted to do um, had a job opportunity in the UAE and I felt it was only fair to prioritize him (laughs) so um, I came out here fell into Emirates and from there the story I've already told you Ahmed and then Ahmed wow it's amazing Uh, so one thing I would like to ask is one thing that you would sort of you know you've been so experienced in this field already is one thing that if there was anything that you could change what is one thing that you would like to change about your field and about GP um I don't think I would actually change anything about Mm. medicine because I've loved every experience even even the ones that I might have at the time felt were negative experiences because they helped me become the person I am um, I think if I was practicing in the UK, I may have a slightly different view because I think working within the NHS, one of the frustrations that you have 
is that um, a lot of it is underfunded. There's a lot of politics behind it. And actually, as a doctor, you just want to get out there and help as many people as you can, as corny as that may sound. (laughs) That is the ultimate desire and the aim. And so to be limited by postcodes and funding is is very, very frustrating. So if I was ever going to change anything about medicine, it would be the politics behind it and the financial you know, um, support that governments give. However, having said all of that, I think England's amazing because they provide a health service for everyone. Yeah, of course. Um, So you mentioned that you've been working for Emirates Airlines, right? Obviously, they'd been hit pretty bad due to the pandemic. How did that sort of affect your work life and how did it really affect you? I think in terms of my work life, because I do occupational medicine, so to just give you a bit of a background of what that is, it's work-life interplay. Um, So it's how your health affects your work or how your work affects your health. And so having a pandemic had a major impact on us as an airline, as you've already pointed out. And um, our department is quite small, although we had 40 plus doctors at the time. um, Occupational medicine was just one siphon. Mm -hmm. And so we were quite a small department. And one of our colleagues had decided to leave as well for personal reasons. So it left two of us and we had to almost figure out um, a return to work sort of roadmap, if you wish, um, and put together a massive documentation that had to cover all areas of Emirates. And Emirates is not just an airline. Mm -hmm. It's also ground services. It's also back offices. It's also engineering. So, you know, at one point we were 100,000 strong people in terms of roles. There were phenomenal, multiple amount. I can't even count. So I think it was very difficult because whereas everyone else was winding down and having... Mm -hmm almost a step back out of life and having a slower pace of life, we ramped up big time. So we were working from home because that was the government rules, but yet we were trying to fit together a program that would fit, that would suit everyone within the company um, while still being within governmental rules and World Health Organization um, advice. So I was probably racking up about 12 hour days. Um, Wow probably for the best part of a month and yeah I didn't have the best work-life balance but on the whole I have had good work-life balance because I work part-time yeah. so yeah I've been quite fortunate that was just a period but that's yeah. one of the things you learn about when you're in medicine it's not a job it's a vocation yeah. and you have to do what you have to do um, to help those around you mm-hmm. yeah. that being said one of our questions were what is the work-life balance sort of like for somebody in the medical field So I think it's very dependent on what part of medicine you go into. Um, And it's also very dependent on the choices that you make for yourself personally. For myself, as I said, I'd started off in paediatrics. One of the reasons I left peds was I loved the work, but there really, at the time, and I'm talking about 20 plus years ago, there was no work-life balance as a junior doctor. I had never planned when I got into med school that I was gonna fall in love with a non-medic, which I did which I'm very grateful for, but um, he showed me a different side of life. And so when I was doing 16-hour night shifts and I couldn't see him for two weeks, even though we're living in the same apartment, it made me quite miserable. Mm -hmm. So I think from that point of view, I decided to choose a different part of medicine, a different speciality where I could have better work-life balance, and that happened to be general practice. And then I made other choices after coming to Dubai because I had young children and I wanted to be a mum that's a very big part of who I am um, and I've got three gorgeous children and I wanted to be around for them so 
I decided to become a part-time doctor. And I think the main thing when you think about work-life balance is you've got to be quite clear in what you want out of life and not be um, too bothered by what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So there were obviously colleagues of mine that were full-time and progressing and going up ladders. But for me, I wanted to be a mum and do a job that was a part of who I was. So the best way to do that was to work part-time. Um, you make compromises, but all in all, you know, no complaints. Yeah. And also, so as you said, the work-life balance, you had to sort of find your way with that, and you have. What, apart from these sort of long hours and the strenuous work that you had to go through, what would be sort of some other main challenges that you had to face either when you were working full-time as a doctor or even currently? Um, when I was working full-time, I found it quite challenging because we had just moved countries, mm. um, and then Nidhi and Sean were three and one at the time. Um, and I found it very difficult to balance full-time work with wanting to be as hands-on a, a mummy as I wanted to mm. be. So that's why I decided to do part-time. But even after that, sort of since then, I think the challenges that I found throughout my medical career, the biggest one, if I had to just point to one, would be the emotional challenge because you want to give so much to your patients. You almost sometimes give too much of yourself. So it's really important when you're starting off. I mean, you want to do everything for everyone and all the rest of it. But at some point, you have to understand through your journey that you need to take care of yourself. You have to do your own mm. housekeeping. Because if you don't do that in terms of emotional housekeeping, you will not be able to give to your patients. You won't be able to give to your family. So yeah. the challenges for me have been trying to understand how I can be as best doctor as I can be for my patients, but also the best parent I can be to my child but actually above all of that the best person I can be for me so going back for a moment to the work-life balance it's not just about family and work it's also a bit about how I've managed to do things that feed my soul and my energy and mm. and I've taken on challenges that have been personal challenges whether it be running a marathon or climbing a mountain or doing whatever yeah. it may be wow. to to feed my own re-energize myself in a sense yeah. feed my own soul yeah. Now, a, a very interesting question we had was that one of the students here is very interested in medicine, but they don't really like seeing organs and blood. Now, obviously, you spend a lot of time around hospitals growing up, so you must have gotten used to that. But for someone who isn't really used to it and gets kind yeah. of squeamish but still wants to get into that field, yeah. like, how would you say, how would you give them advice to get over this? I actually think um, it was a great question and it's so wonderful to hear that people are interested in within the medical field or medicine. I think the key to, to that question though is understanding that medicine is not just about being a doctor. Medicine's about the nurses, the pharmacists, the um, technicians, the radiologists, actually the, the scientists in the background, the non-clinical staff. So I think really it depends on, once again, that for that individual, because it's quite a specific question. Mm -hmm. For that individual, if they know that they're so squeamish, they're not going to be able to do any form of blood, organ, guts, deliver babies, that has to be done as part of your medical yeah. training. So it may be worth still following the medical profession, but maybe not as a doctor, maybe some other aspect of medicine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after that amazing question from Sunaina, 
Also, another question that um, someone has asked, Ariana, is what is the most severe case you've had to treat in your years of experience as a doctor? Um, so that's quite, sorry, I'm going to say every question is difficult, but i tell you why that's an interesting question. It's a great question once again, but it's an interesting one because severe in terms of case, I think when you're going through each case, they're all severe because at the end of that case is a person. Yeah. And so they're all precious, right? Yeah. Um, severe can sometimes be because you don't know the diagnosis and no matter yeah. what investigations you're doing, you can't figure out what's wrong with the person. Severe might be because it's an emotionally challenging case and the individual um, isn't able to see that, that uh, relationship between the mind and the body. Um, but I guess if I had to pick one, um, the most severe was probably when I had someone within my neighbourhood. Um, mm. I was called, a relative had come to visit Dubai and had um, stopped breathing, so completely cold. Um, and they'd called the ambulance, but we were out in the desert, and so I had I was asked if there was if I could come around and help with mm. CPR. Um, and that was probably the hardest case because as a doctor, yes, I'm trained on CPR, but I was always within a controlled environment of a hospital or a clinic with a team with oxygen with drugs, and here I was in a home with a person and their family around me and it was just me myself and I mm -hmm. and the ambulance was on its way but I had no idea how long it was going to take yeah. and retrospectively it took about 15 minutes and 15 minutes of CPR for anyone that's done it is exhausting mm -hmm. as well as the fact that you feel completely and utterly responsible for that life I'm really glad to report that he did survive and <laughs> made a recovery but um we also know that with CPR revivals, there are very few actually. I mean, although it's an amazing thing to do, and I would ask everyone to train in it, including the you know students of your age group, but it doesn't. It's not always successful, and and that's mm -hmm. not because you've done anything wrong. That's just the nature of of you know the beast, unfortunately. But probably in terms of severity, that was probably the most severe one for me yeah. because it was a life in front of me, but it wasn't in the way that I was used to dealing with it mm -hmm. I didn't have all the extra team around me yeah. now that would have been a very high pressure situation and yeah. being a doctor who's had as much experience as you you would have been put under pressure a lot of times how would you have any advice on how to deal with that type of pressure what do you do personally to sort of cope with it all so I'm incredibly fortunate because I have a really wonderful husband and three amazing kids that have listened to me that have watched me cry on occasions and that particular occasion was quite traumatic because I was getting on a plane that night. I was sitting, I was studying for a master's and I was sitting my exams the next morning in the UK mm. and I couldn't get word for whether this man had survived or not. And so the amount of calls back and forth to my husband and to the children just saying, I need to know, I need someone to tell me whether he survived mm. or not. Mm -hmm. Did I, you know, did I do the right thing? Did I do anything wrong? Because we constantly question ourselves as well. So I think for me, it's having an amazing supportive network around me, but also going back to what I said earlier, it's understanding what your personal needs are. And for me, I need to exercise, whether it be yoga, whether it's going out for a run or a walk, even now, I'm a bit too old to run now. My phones don't like it, um, but it's whatever works for you. I think doing the challenges, just 
feeds my soul and that's what helps me. I constantly like learning, so doing extra courses just gives me that buzz that, you know, I'm trying to get better and grow as a person. So those experiences, no matter how tough they are, I think they're really valuable experiences and the way to get through them is is whatever works for you as an individual, but for me it's definitely family is number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, as you said, you've sort of been used to high-pressure situations your entire life as a doctor, especially since you were a child. But I think, considerably, would you say that uh, being in university with all your training and as a, um, what's the word, when you're not a resident, but you're in training? You're so, a as a junior doctor. Yes, yeah, so as a junior doctor. Yeah. Junior doctor yeah. So, uh, was that uh, sort of staying as a junior doctor, was it even more pressure than as a actual doctor or... How would I you think compare? Pressures are different. So I wouldn't say anything is more pressure, it's just different pressure. Yeah. So when you go through med school, the pressure is immense because you've done everything you possibly can, jumped every hurdle you can think of to get in. And then you think, oh, easy street now. <laughs> I mean, very naively, this is it, I'm going to be a doctor. When actually you get there and you suddenly go, oh my God, the workload <laughs> is like I could never have imagined. And I might have been. You know within the top percentage of my school but here i'm joe average and there's nothing wrong with being joe average mm. but it does take a mindset to understand i'm not going to come out with a stars and i might just mm. be scraping through my exams yeah so i think the pressures during med school were a certain sort and then when you qualify as a doctor the pressures are great initially as a junior doctor because you no one can ever prepare you for the sleep deprivation mm and the emotional challenges of losing lives or yeah, just yeah. dealing with people and and not just their medical complaints, but also their emotional, uh, the emotions that go alongside that. And then as a senior doctor or as a consultant or a GP, when you're out there on your own, the challenge is very different once again, because now you know that you are responsible. Yeah. So the buck stops with you, which is different when you're a junior doctor because you've always got a senior above you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think the challenges are perpetually there, continually there, but I would say that's the same for any walk of life, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you obviously have done a lot of work on sort of work-life balance, right? Yeah. Um, would you have any advice or what would you say about that work-life balance for students? Um. So I think, once again, you have to work out what you need and what works for you. Um, for my eldest, she loved netball and it was sports. For my middle one, he loves dance and music. Um, for my youngest, she's sort of doing a bit of everything at the moment. You have to almost trial and error. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a magic formula, but it's just recognising when you are feeling overwhelmed, reaching out for help and understanding that no situation ever is ever that bad that it can't be solved. And there's, by talking to people and talking to the right people, so you're very fortunate at the yeah. school, you've got amazing counsellors, mm -hmm. um, by talking to the right people, whether it be your, you know, your teachers or the counsellors or parents or other support in the community, just finding how and what works for you as an individual. Um, yeah, for me, as I said, it was sort of doing challenges and yeah. exercise based not to say that I'm by any means the fittest <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think you just have to work out what's right for you but it is so important you're in a 
a great school that is very academically driven, but it is so important to find balance even through that and not to overly pressurise yourself. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. I'd say that sort of on the flip side of all the sort of talk of pressure and uh, the most severe cases, I think it's also sort of great to sort of think about the positive sides and what, you know, you sort of love being a, and what you love about being a doctor. So what would I, uh, this is a personal question, what would you think would be the best or sort of like the case you've enjoyed the most as a doctor, like the best patient, well, not exactly the best, but sort of the patient you've enjoyed the most? Or? Um, I think there have been so many patients and in some ways you can find joy in almost every patient yeah. that comes through the door, maybe not immediately, but retrospectively, because yeah. every patient teaches me something about myself, right, or something about the world around me. So I've enjoyed patients that have, I mean, one of the reasons I ran the London Marathon was because one of my patients was a runner and he came through the door and he started talking to me about running. Um, and I thought, oh, this sounds really good. He's really enthusiastic. I'm going to give it a go. Having never run before, I got home that evening. I thought, great, let's try a 10K then. I had no idea what I was doing. So I think there's enjoyment in just being with other individuals, just understanding other people's humanity and experience. So I don't think there's just one patient every patient has added to me in some way yeah there was definitely when i was doing peds a little boy that i absolutely fell in love with i didn't have my own children at the time um and this little boy had been in hospital from day dot he had a very very rare metabolic disorder he would he'd probably been in hospital for about six months when i joined and then he was there for the year that i was at that hospital he never went home and he was just watching him develop and grow and watching him crawl and smile which we all do with our own children but I didn't have children at that point so that was the first time I'd seen it and every time I felt sad or I felt it had been a hard day I knew he was there and he was almost as stable in my life so I would go back and just play with him for a bit Mm -hmm. so he was a really special child yeah yeah Yeah. I remember Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Obviously, now you're quite a sort of qualified and experienced doctor. But when you were in school, did you always have that love for like medicine or biology? Or was it something that sort of developed over time? I think I'd say I always had an interest. I was always inquisitive. Um, And having, you know, my mum and my sister go through what they did. And I was only between two and six at the time that it started that ball rolling of just being interested rather than scared about mm-hmm. um, people when they were sick or when they were hurt. Or, And I remember my earliest um, reports from school had things mentioned in them like, oh, Hadith is very caring or she takes care of everyone in the class or, you know, if someone had fallen at school, I'd be the person that picked them up and take them to the school nurse. So I think there'd always been an interest in just human beings and maybe in that sort of empathic nurturing manner but as I say linking that to being a doctor I think didn't actually happen until after my GCSEs Mm, yeah yeah so you said that over the years you sort of gone through different fields of being a doctor and everything a question from Haider Ali is 
what was sort of your favorite thing to specialize? You're not your favorite, but maybe the most memorable thing you specialized in. Um, Peds was definitely um, an amazing experience. And neonates in particular, which is where you're dealing with, dealing with premature babies, was um, the most scary experience, <laughs> but the most phenomenal experience as well. So you knew that if there was a 24, 25 weeker that was delivered, they were on that cusp of life and survival and the majority of them weren't going to survive. But when they did, it was just the most amazing thing mm. to be a part of. Yeah. Um, watching, I, I never did it as a career, so I never, it's a bit of a cheat to your question, but one of the most memorable parts of medicine during my training was delivering my first baby. Aww. And I had gone through, I don't know, it was 20 hours of labour with this lady and her husband. Um, but I was determined that I wasn't going to miss this birth. And as every hour went by, I was even more determined that, well, I've now spent 18 hours, I've now spent 19 hours. And people were thinking, this is a lot of waiting around. This doesn't feel <laughs> yeah. like medicine, right? Yeah. But at the moment of that sort of half hour, hour of the actual intense process of, of this lady giving birth, it has to be the most amazing moment really of my mm. of my training because I suddenly thought oh my god I've, I've just seen a new life literally just seen a new life come into the world and I delivered that which yeah. you know I, I can't explain the sensation I'm probably not going to be able to find the words but it was so overwhelming so emotional um but emotional in a way emotions that I'd never experienced before I mean I must have been about 22 at the time mm. I had no idea what it was like to me it was just oh I've got to get 10 deliveries signed up <laughs> and this was number one and it was taking far too long mm -hmm. um but it ended up being one of the most memorable parts of my training yeah. would you say that over the years like for you specifically that sort of magic in helping people and helping people get better did it ever sort of like go away or was it just always persistent for you or like did it grow or um I think I don't know whether I'd call it a magic, mm -hmm. um, but I think the the um, love of medicine has definitely grown. The um, admiration for my patients has probably grown as well. I don't think that was there at the beginning because I didn't understand what they were teaching me. So yes, I guess a simple way of seeing a doctor would be, oh, you help people. But I would say actually my patients have helped me so much more in dealing with aspects of my life mm -hmm. so yeah my love for medicine has definitely grown and the magic if that's what you want to call it has not worn off at all yeah at all yeah uh, so back to your children quite a lot of parents tend to sort of uh with their career they sort of implement that into their children for example yeah. my parents are lawyers so I grew up doing quite a lot of debating in my household yeah. so do you think that there's any sort of ways that you have been sort of implementing medicine or just sort of biology into your children and if so is there sort of any way that a student could sort of implant them that into themselves to sort of understand the wonder I think that's really um it makes me giggle that question because if you were to ask my eldest who's just started yeah. at university she's just um started at ucl to do medicine wow. she would tell you that i did everything in my power <laughs> to put her off becoming a doctor um so as much as i've got an intense love for medicine 
and I am so enthusiastic if I meet someone who's a prospective medic and I want to tell them all about it probably to the point that I bore them to tears <laughs> but I also think it's so important to not force people to go into it because it's such an intense um, career path it's definitely a vocation and not really a career at all mm-hmm. um, that you've got to want to do it internally you need to have an internal drive you can't be forced into it and if you are forced into it you will inevitably end up leaving Mm -hmm. so I think with Nidhi I tried so hard to put her off with Sean and Ayana I think they they love listening to my stories they enjoy hearing all about medicine and the challenges and the you know the the disappointments and the triumphs they listen to it all but if you were to ask either one of them uh uh-uh they are not interested and I'm absolutely good with that because I think you know like I said it's not something I want to force any child to go into yeah so I'm sure I was probably instrumental to some degree in Nidhi getting there but I think actually it's just an internal drive yeah now would you sort of have any advice to students who want to go into medicine or really just any advice for us students in general I think as children I think um you have a lot of pressures nowadays that I was fortunate enough not to have when I was younger. And I am referring to sort of the social pressures. I think academically, the world almost feels like it's progressing so quickly and so fast that there's a lot of extra pressure to do well and be the best. And and maybe to some degree, our generation of parents have created that by saying, you can do and be anything you want to be. So that's where you sort of think, right, I'm going to aim for the best. Mm-hmm. That's great. Do that. But don't do it at the detriment of your own mental health and everything else in your life. So as students, the number one thing to remember is that this is the time of life that's supposed to be uncomplicated. Yeah. Right? So remember to find balance. Remember to have fun remember to enjoy life and not get caught up in oh I've got to get going on this race and 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 get the academics you know done Mm. you're all DC students you're all going to be amazing let's be honest so remember to find balance um sorry I went off on a tangent you said to me in terms of if you're going into did you ask if Uh, you're going into medicine as well also if you had any advice to students who maybe want want to get into the medicine field what would you have to say I think the most important thing I would say for medicine like for anyone that's thinking about medicine, is to actually try and get some experience. I know that's been so much harder over the last couple of years because of COVID. But if you can't get the experience of working within a clinic or a hospital, just get some experience of working with people. Um, And you can volunteer anywhere. I think that's a really important part of it. If you can't do that because of restrictions as well, then talk to as many doctors, as many med students as you can, but doctors in particular, because you need to understand the path that medicine takes you on. And it's different for every doctor, but I think there are similarities in terms of the challenges it brings on um, from the point of view of having to uh, miss out on major life events because you're rostered to work or whatever it may be. You've got to understand that that's just part of the job. um, And that's something that you're taking on board that your life will be very different to everyone else's. You know, when you're at university, my daughter's only just been saying to me, oh my God, my neighbor's only got, you know, 20 contact hours and there's Nidhi with a nine to five schedule. That's something that you're signing up for. So Mm -hmm. you need to understand the commitment medicine requires.
requires, the passion it requires, just the emotions that you're going to be riding through that journey. Yeah. So I think it is important that if you can't get the work experience, then speak to, to qualified doctors to understand what their journey is like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. It's been a complete yeah. pleasure to be asked. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I've learned so much and we're so glad of having you on us. Uh, so oh, thank you listeners as well for joining and we'll see you for another episode. Thank you. Bye.